You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Okay, so today I'm going to be speaking about faith-filled prayer, and I'm going to be continuing our series where we've been looking at the book of James. So if you want to follow along um, on your Bible app, on your phone, or if you've got a Bible on the table with you, there's Bibles in the little zippy wallets um, if you want to get a user Bible and you haven't brought one with you, that's absolutely fine. The book of James, um, chapter 5, because it's the penultimate one. We're right near the end of the book of James today in chapter 5, verses 13 through to 18. And this is what it says. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Right, that's what I'll be speaking about today. So as I said, continuing the sermon series on the book of James called Faith That Works. If you want to catch up on the rest of the series, do have a look on our website or our YouTube channel to catch up on the other ones. Now I'm mostly going to be focusing on prayer today. Prayer is an essential part of our relationship with Jesus. It is the vital communication needed for relationship to grow and for us to become more like Jesus. Now, just imagine, if you will, for a moment. Imagine this scenario. Um, My relationship with with my wife. At the very beginning, there's an exciting phase of courtship, falling in love, getting to know each other, and then planning the wedding. We get married. Brilliant. But then I stop speaking to her. The idea of being in love was great, but now we married, well, you know, surely I know everything, right? I don't need to ask her opinion. I can make the decisions without her. I don't need to share my successes and failures. They're my achievements after all, aren't they? Not hers. She has written me lots of letters. And I read them from time to time. I get a reminder of some of the words that she spoke to me in the past, but there isn't a need to speak now, is there? We don't need to spend quality time together. Besides, I'm busy and I've got things to do. How long do you think this marriage is going to last? Now consider this. Could this be a picture 
of our relationship with Jesus. We fall in love. We decide to give our lives to him and to follow him. But then we just stop talking. We shut down the conversation. We might read our Bibles from time to time, but a verse here or a meme on Facebook there, there's no meaningful conversation. We forget. Or we even refuse to share our ups and our downs with him. Now, we might feel unworthy or unloved. We might believe that he doesn't have time to hear from little old me. Besides, doesn't he have bigger problems to worry about, like the wars that are raging on the earth or famines and earthquakes? He doesn't need to be bothered that I'm struggling to pay the heating bills this month or that I'm feeling low, does he? If we keep shutting Jesus out of our lives through a lack of prayer, our faith will grow weaker and weaker. And when we don't have enough time to spend with Jesus because we're just too busy, we neglect the most vital and life-giving relationship that we have. In the previous sermon, in this series, Fiona spoke about how we as God's people are to live with patience and hope for Jesus' return to set things right. We are to be patient and to endure. And this should inspire a life of faith-filled prayer, which leads us to today's passage. So verse 13 is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. In the good times, in the bad times, and all the other times in between, we should pray. Now, prayer is simply communication with Jesus. It's us sharing our thoughts and our longings, our hopes and our worries with the one who loves us more than we could ever know. We share life with Jesus. Now, you don't need fancy words or a special book with special prayers in it. Now, you might find written prayers helpful. They might give you words that you may not be able to come up with yourself to express what you want to express to God. Reading prayers is fine. But it's not about the book. It's about the communication. Prayer is not some magic spell. There's no hocus pocus. Simply be yourself and talk with Jesus. Some Christians think that if they shout loud enough, somehow this will make their prayer more effective. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Prayer, it can be emotional. You might find yourself weeping on the floor or jumping up and down or, or praying with such boldness and confidence that your voice grows loud. That's all right. But please don't mistake the emotion for the effectiveness or the power of the prayer. 
what we are doing when we pray is we are reaching out to Jesus. We are surrendering our will and aligning it with God's will. Just as Jesus prayed, we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're not saying, now, Jesus, this is how I think things should be. Listen, listen here. You're making some mistakes here. This is how it should be. This is how it should go. All right? And if we give a bit of a shabba shabba and also stick a in Jesus' name at the end, then, you know, it'll happen. Right? No. That's not what prayer is. Prayer gives us the opportunity for communication with the Spirit of Jesus. But it also positions us. Prayer moves us away from our will and lines us up to Jesus' will. You know what? We might need to change some of our hopes, some of our practices, some of our ideas. They might need to change so that we can be where Jesus wants us to be. And this realignment starts through prayer as our spirit connects with his spirit. Prayer is not about us. It's all about Jesus. It is the power of Jesus at work in us and in the world through the Holy Spirit that makes our prayers powerful and effective. Pete Gregg, one of the founders of the 24-7 prayer movement here in the UK, uses an acronym to help us understand what, what prayer is. It's simply P-R-A-Y. Prayer. Huh, quite clever, hey. Right. P. Pause. Still yourself. R. Rejoice. Praise God for who he is and what he has done. Say thank you. There's lots of people who do gratitude journals and things. It's, you're just saying thank you for, for the good things in your life, what God has done for you. A. Ask. Yes, you are allowed to ask God for things. Okay? You can ask him for things. Bring your requests. But then, why? Yield. Then you release these requests. You surrender these requests to God. And you're saying, yet not my will, but yours be done. And this yielding is an important part of prayer. N.T. Wright, a theologian and Bible teacher, puts it this way. Christian prayer isn't just me calling out in the dark to a distant or unknown God. It means what it means and does what it does because God is very near to those who draw near to him. Heaven and earth meet when in the spirit someone calls on the name of the Lord. The person praying stands with one foot in the place of trouble, sickness, and sin, and with the other foot in the place of healing, forgiveness, and hope. 
Prayer brings God's kingdom and God's will to bear in the situation. Let's have a look at verse 14 to 16. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, in 2016, some of you might remember this because you were around at the time. Um, I had cancer. And I still fondly remember the time when the church came round to my house one evening and prayed for me. And they put oil on me and prayed and asked God to heal me. And praise God, their prayers were answered and here I stand today. Now, in the ancient world, when this letter was being written, oil was thought to have medicinal properties. So, something that James could be doing here is he could be encouraging the elders of the church, or in other words, the leaders of the church, and of course, the person who is ill themselves, to combine their faith-filled prayers alongside appropriate medical procedures. And indeed, that's what I was doing when I was poorly. Um, I was also having chemotherapy at the time, and lots of people were praying for me as well. Medicine is a gift from God. Don't be afraid to use it. But more often, though, in the Bible, we see anointing with oil was done when setting something apart as holy or when making a king or a priest. So probably the anointing is a way of assuring the person that they are being brought before God for merciful consideration. Notice only prayers offered in faith will have an impact. And notice more importantly that this is only where the Lord wills that healing. Will he inspire such faith? This isn't a silver bullet. Okay, the Lord, it says, the Lord will raise them up, which means the healing is up to the Lord. Here, James also speaks about God forgiving sin if that person was ill because of it. Now, we need to remind ourselves that elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus warns that not every single illness is a result of some sin that's been committed. But sometimes it can be. Okay? Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> now, this is an area where I think the evangelical church can get much better. Confession. Not, not going along to a priest and being given some sort of punishments that you have to carry out in order to earn your forgiveness. No. But as it says here, confessing of our sins to each other. 
Now, I won't encourage everyone to come up to the front, take turns on a Sunday and stand up here and confess all the sins you've done. And oh, goodness. First of all, we'll be here for far too long. Yeah, we won't get anything else done. All right. But also won't be terribly appropriate. But it is important for us to find one or two trusted Christians who we can be accountable with. They hold us to account. We hold them to account. And we give space and opportunity for the mutual confession of sin. Then, of course, we pray together and we pray for each other. And this... will help us to heal. Physical healing, yeah, but also emotional healing, spiritual healing, confession of sin plays its part in making us whole. So church, we need to get better at being accountable to each other and then taking that difficult step and confessing our sins one to another the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective it says end of verse 16 going on into 17 Elijah was a human being even as we are he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Our prayers are powerful and effective. Your prayer is powerful and effective. If you love Jesus, I feel I need to say it again. Some people write themselves off. If you love Jesus, your prayer is powerful and it is effective. Prayer is a wonderful invitation that God extends to us, his beloved creation, to be involved in the events on the earth and in the spiritual realms. Prayer can and does change things. We are not all stuck on a fantastical time loop that is all predetermined, every step already planned out ahead of time where we have no choice but to walk in it. No. God has given us free will. We have the ability to choose. Prayer also gives us the privilege of having an impact on events on a cosmic scale. Our prayers, when surrendered and partnered with God's will, are indeed powerful and effective. Now, James gives us an example of what he means. He talks about the prophet Elijah. You might have come across, well, the Elijah you come across running up and down and trying to eat all the biscuits is my son. Not that Elijah. The Elijah in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right? He was a prophet, okay? And he prayed some effective prayers. And here we told he prayed and stopped the rain. 
for three and a half years. And only when he prayed again and asked God for it to rain, then it rained again. Now, this wasn't some ego trip Elijah was on. Oh, the, I'll show them. I'll show them who's the, 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 the man with the power here. No. He had sought the will of God. He followed where the Spirit led him and prayed what the Spirit led him to pray, which aligned with God's will, and then there was a move of God's power. This is how powerful our prayers can be too. So what has God put on our hearts to pray for? Where is the Spirit leading us in our prayer? Are we being faithful and responding to that? Following where he leads and praying with faith and confidence? Please don't underestimate the value and importance and power of prayer. You know, every revival of God's Spirit breaking out upon the earth began with one or two people earnestly praying and seeking God. Prayer is vital. Prayer is essential. And prayer is something we should all be doing. And it's something we all can do. Now, at the beginning, I started by pointing out that prayer is a conversation. Now, <laughs> some of us may need to be encouraged to speak up, to engage in prayer more often. Others of us might need to be told to be quiet. Just shh. Conversations never work when they are one-sided. Prayer isn't all about me, 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 my needs, my wants, my desires, or even praying for the world and its needs. But all we can hear while we're doing this is our voice going on and on and on and on. Take a breath. Pause, stop, be silent, and listen. When you pray, when you pray, expect Jesus to answer. Expect him to answer. He wants to have a word in the conversation, funnily enough. He's got something to say. Now, it might not usually be an audible voice that you hear sometimes, but I've never experienced it. And I know some people who have, it's like once or twice in a lifetime, maybe, you might hear an audible voice from God. It's not a common way of hearing from God. So what do we mean by listening to Jesus? Well, you might get a picture in your mind that starts to make sense of the thing you've been talking to Jesus about. Or a verse of scripture that you read from the Bible might hit home like, wow, I've read this bit loads of times, but oh, it makes amazing sense today. I, I know what's, what's going on. Or maybe a friend might come and say something or, or, or give you something. And you're like, wow, I just know God is speaking to me through this thing. So to finish... Pray at all times. Pray on every occasion. 
Share your life with Jesus. Don't neglect prayer. It's vital for your relationship with him. Yield your will to his. As we pray as Jesus did, your will, not mine, be done. Stand in that gap between heaven and earth and bring God's kingdom into that situation. Pray for the sick. Confess your sins one to another because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Amen.